Hey, Jennifer. Hello, Peter. I had a little aha moment the other day, and I haven't shared it with you yet because I was like, oh, I think we've done an episode on shipping. I think we've talked about shipping. I'm Like, we've explored that from every which angle, haven't we? Nope. <laughs> no, we have not. <laughs> and then I did a quick search. It was like, oh, my gosh, we've never done an episode on shipping. That seems bizarre. So that's what we're about to do. We're going to unpack shipping. Let's do it. This is the long and the short of it. Do you think we should first define what is shipping? I mean, most definitely. Jen, that's what you do best. You start with a definition. So, how do you think of how do you think of shipping? I think of sending a piece of work off into the world that someone other than me will be engaging with whatever the thing is. I like that. Yeah, I think it has to be sent to at least one other person Mm -hmm. is how I think about shipping. So I'm sharing my work, my work being a blog, a podcast, a piece of creative writing or a film or whatever, anything that you've created, you're sharing that with at least one other person. And you might think of it as shipping. It's a very common expression used in software development. They talk about shipping software. So it's kind of stolen from that. And so it's very relevant to, I mean, every episode that we've ever talked about, all of the work that you do with creatives, all the work that I do with creatives, all of the work that we as a combination do with change makers, because so much of it is about not only creating the idea, but then shipping it, sharing it with the world. Mm -hmm. It's also the point where, a lot of fear and doubt and insecurity comes in. Like a lot of people enjoy the creation of the work, but it's actually the shipping or the sharing that becomes the scary, hard, uncomfortable part. And so the reason this sort of sparked the aha moment the other day is one of our mutual friends and listeners of the podcast, Jenna Pastuzek, she was talking about shipping. So I was running a, a workshop with her and about 15 others And we were just sort of unpacking this idea of shipping. And she started talking about how she thinks of herself. She's very good at metaphors and analogies. And she sort of painted this picture of her on the dock. And she was letting various ships go out to sea. Some of them were small. Some of them were big. Some of them had other people. Some of them were just like a solo ship. And just hearing her talk about it, I had this aha moment of like, oh, you're not actually on the ship. <laughs> you're on the dock. And it was this it was a similar aha moment to what I had when you and I were talking about the arena episode where I had this vision of like the one arena, is it one arena or is it like all of these other different arenas? And I hadn't quite thought about where I stand. Are we in the same arena? Are we in our separate arena and all of that? So it reminded me of the similar aha moment. For some reason, I'd thought that, When we ship something to the world, share it with another person. And if you think about it very visually as something leaving the port, for some reason I thought I was on the ship when I did that or you were on the ship when you did that. And hearing Jenna say you are on the dock actually felt kind of freeing and kind of liberating. So I'm just going to pause there for any thoughts. I have thoughts. Okay. (laughs) It's going to come right back around to the standing on the dock metaphor. There was someone in 
my industry, who's no longer in my industry, but she worked as a coach with actors. And I really did not resonate with her work at all. And one of the things she said to actors a lot was, send out as many ships as you can and see which ones come back to you. Something about that idea always rubbed me wrong. So I started thinking about instead carrying a quiver of arrows on your back and sending an arrow out to a very specific target and trying to hit the target in the bullseye. So when I'm thinking about you sitting on the dock of the bay, watching your ships go out, I would like to think about the dock that you're sending your ship to, not just that you're sending it out into the open sea and like hoping it survives Mm. and who knows where it might land, but instead I'm shipping it from here to there. And then someone else is standing on the other dock to receive the ship. Oh, that's so good. So good. Okay, so I'm just going to share what happened in my brain when you were sharing that story (laughs) because it was quite a roller coaster. As you were saying that, my first reaction was like, oh, I'm not sure about this, Jen, because one of the things about sending a ship out from a dock is we don't necessarily have control over what might happen with it. It might be interpreted by someone slightly differently. It might be shared with another person. And so I was like, I'm not sure. And then I realized that no, 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 even though it might be seen by other people, even though it might be shared by somebody, even though it might be viewed or interpreted slightly differently, the point is you have the intention to send it to a place or to a person or to a group of people from the start. So it's basically a a metaphor for or an analogy for who's it for and what's it for. And so before you let the ship go, you go, okay, ship, let's have a talk. This is where I want you to go, who I want you to go to, and this is what it's for. And that's the intention you send out there. And then at the same time, it's sort of both and. You recognize that you don't have full control over that and that it might be seen and interpreted slightly differently by other people, but it's heading to that that who's it for that you intended. Is that kind of what you were saying? Yes. Okay, now it's like... (laughs) whoa, we're going for all of the possible things that could float in water references. I'm thinking about like when you do a message in a bottle, the whole point is you have no idea where it's going. And it's like, ooh, the mystery that maybe in a year or maybe in 150 years, someone might find this bottle washed up on the shore, but they'll have no way to contact me and let me know they got it. It'll just be this thing that sent out into the world and I never knew. That's not what we want to do with our meaningful work. Mm, I love that. I love that. I also feel compelled to ask you to say, boy, (laughs) as we're talking about. Peter (laughs) Shepard. Listeners, what he is referencing is the word B-U-O-Y, which over here in the great state of Massachusetts, where I'm sitting right now, we pronounce buoy. <laughs> Gets we, me got every into, time. we got into a whole fight about it. And then he said, pronounce the word B-U-O-Y-A-N-T. And I said, buoyant. And he said, see. <laughs> so I stand corrected. Buoyant. Boy. It feels weird. Okay, I have one other point to make. 
when you were talking about all of the resistance around shipping, that there's so much joy and fulfillment in creating the work. And then comes the moment when you got to send it out there and there's all this fear and all of this resistance. I decided we could add yet another fear to the fear menu and we could call this false fear of shipping. <laughs> fear of shipping. <sighs> but like every other fear on the menu, it has the same main ingredient, which is the fear of people's opinions, that that tension and that resistance we feel around sending our work out there is because we fear what will people think of this. Mm. That just feels important to call into the conversation. Yeah. I also think we, from memory, I'm trying to recall the conversation in this this workshop I was running and we we went down this sort of rabbit hole exploring the, the doc idea. And one of the things that I found really interesting as the folks were talking about this idea of being on the dock and letting the ships go. And, and it was sort of like that moment that we all know, those that have shipped their work, when you ship it, it's quite ex- like it's sort of scary and exciting. It's kind of like a big launch. Like when you launch the Big Ideas Lab, it's like we're launching the Big Ideas Lab. This is exciting. And then like two or three days pass mm-hmm. and you're kind of standing on the dock and you're like, well, hope that's gotten where we intended it to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it becomes like, what do you do post that initial launch, post that initial ship? And so we talked about a bunch of ideas around that, you know, to stay with the analogy. Do you clean up the dock and get ready for something else to come in? Do you wait patiently? Do you send out a reminder, like fast boat to catch up to the big ship to remind people? I don't really know. I'm stretching the metaphor now, but like, what do you do? <laughs> Basically, what does one do post-launch, post-ship? Once you get over that FOSS, what happens next? Well, interestingly, the skill I think needs to be cultivated is actually a pre-launch skill, which then mm. continues into the post-launch. And that is, so this goes back to where is the dock you're sending the ship to? And how long does it take to get from here to there? That is something you want to calculate before you hit send, before you hit Mm. publish, before you drop it in the mailbox. You want to know how much patience are you going to need to practice before you check up on your ship. So Mm. if you, for example, are sending your manuscript, your 300-page manuscript to someone Asking them the next day, did you read it yet, is way too soon. So there's some pre-work that has to go into the actual shipping process so that you can maintain both your patience and your sanity Mm. while you're allowing the work to do what it needs to do. And then after a predetermined by you period of time elapses, then you can go after the ship and say, hey, did this arrive in the desired port? I think that reminder piece is so important. I have observed so many instances of people sending a ship into the world, shipping something, one of their projects to somebody, not hearing anything for a few days or for a week and then being like, well, they hate me. That ship never arrived and it's never going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'll nudge that person. Or what if you just like followed up and checked in? And so often they will write back and go, oh, thank you so much for following me up. 
I really appreciate it. I'm looking at this. I'm interpreting it this way, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll get the feedback that you need. And so there's something like still so underrated in that follow-up mm-hmm. post the big event. I agree with you. I'm a big fan of following up. And that's one of the reasons why I like to have that. Well, here we go. Our theme of Jen likes to plan. That's why I like to have the plan ahead of time. I'm sending this out. And if I haven't heard anything in four days, I'll follow up. Hmm. Now, the four days is just an arbitrary number I just pulled out right now. So it depends on what the project is. Hmm. Can we talk a bit about quantity of ships? Definitely. This is a question I was asked really recently, which was like, how are you shipping so many things so frequently? And how can I do that too? And um, I want to just like raise a cautionary flag and say that for some people, having many projects on at once is how they do their best work. And for other people, that will not get their best work out of them. So. I want to encourage people to do a self-awareness check there and ask yourself when I've done my best work in the past, have I been doing more than one thing at a time? And if the answer is yes, then you might consider building more than one ship at a time and sending them out either to the same port side by side or in different directions. But there's also something to be said for building one beautiful ship. Mm, I really like that. I think a a way of thinking about it, because I, I think about this from in my own work, is how you have to show up in order to ship that thing or in order to, like, who are you in that context, in that project? So, for me, I have quite a few projects on the go at any one time. If you're externally looking at it, you might go, that's a lot of projects. You're doing one-on-one coaching here. You've got the podcast with Jan. You're writing. You're doing workshops. You're doing keynotes. Like, how does that, how do you even keep control of all of that? And, the thing that always helps me is I get to show up as the same person in all of those contexts. So it's not actually that big a context shift for me to coach a leader and have a conversation with Jen to record a podcast because it's leveraging the same skill set. It's leveraging the same posture of being able to show up, be curious, ask questions, hold space. And so there's something in that, like in looking at, am I someone who could have a lot of projects on the go at once or am I someone who should just focus on one particular thing? There's something in like, what is the skill set that you need to use for each of those things or for that one thing? And if it's the same skill set across the board, in my experience, that's been where it's like, it sort of makes sense to, or it's okay to have a few projects on the go. And for me, what I would just add is that certain kinds of projects can be made more efficient with repeatable systems. So Mm. like if I need to ship a blog post every week, I'm going to find the best way to create that blog post. I'm not going to reinvent it every week, whatever my creation process is, because that way I can be consistent and I can use my creative energy for a new kind of project that might not have a system in place yet. So I think that is also important. And I just had one other thing, Pete, which is, Going back to your I'm standing on the dock metaphor, that if you were actually on the ship, you wouldn't be able to be working on anything else, (laughs) that you need to be standing on the dock. I know, I know. I hadn't quite pieced that together until Jenna helped me see that. (laughs) I guess the thing that I go back to is FOSS, fear of shipping. And maybe you have ideas for, I mean, how do you think about 
Foss, how do you think about navigating that fear of putting something into the world? Because I just, I mean, I feel myself even get caught up by that. And, you know, that's where I think imposter syndrome lives. That's where I think our insecurity often lives around who am I to do this thing? Why should I share this work? So what do you have a strategy or a technique for how you handle that? Well, I think being a theater artist, I have had to deal with thoughts on a daily basis, not only for myself, Mm -hmm. but with literally all of my clients. And what I recognize is that perhaps the antidote to FOSS is the pursuit of risk-taking. That when you are actively seeking to take risks and you feel that little pang of like, oh my gosh, this is scary, that means you've actually arrived at the risk. Mm. Not the, this is hard, because there you've maybe arrived at a challenge and you know that it's going to be hard, but you also know how to get to the other side of it and what it might be like to be on the other side. But when you're taking a risk, part of what is inherently there is that you don't know how it's going to turn out. And so if, at least from my artistic perspective, if you want to always be growing and expanding, you have to be seeking out risk. So when you feel that FOSS, that fear of shipping, it's like, ooh, I arrived at the right risky dock. This is a good sign that I should hit send. Mm, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I think the thing to keep in mind, well, certainly one thing I try and keep in mind is the only way to make change is to ship. Like you can't possibly make the change that you want to make in the world, help the people that you want to help in the world without sharing your work with them or with someone. So for me, it's the generous act of creating change or the generous act of helping other people that requires the practice of shipping. And I do think it's a practice and one that we can cultivate each day, each week, each month, whatever that frequency looks like for you. So that's how I think about it. Do you think that there is something, I'm really having this aha moment right now, do you think that there is something in FOSS, in the act of shipping and the fear of shipping, that is specific to something being new? In other words, if I were to ship you something that somebody has shipped before, would I be afraid to ship it? Probably not, because there's nothing new in it. It's just sort of like the same thing. So perhaps also when we think about what it means to be innovative or creative or future focused, that FOSS actually points to the fact that there's something in your creation that is new. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to come up with an acronym. Perhaps FOPUMO, (laughs) (laughs) which is... Which is I fear- am done. What? <laughs> Let me explain. Fear of people's opinion of my opinion. So wait, I gotta write this out. Fear of fear people's of opinion. opinions of okay. my opinion. What? <laughs> <laughs> to your point, I don't fear saying, "Hey, Jen, I read this great book, and I think you might enjoy reading it." I don't have FOSS of shipping that to you because it's it's someone else's work. So is it, and I'm very willing to be proven wrong because I've made this acronym up on the spot, is it that we actually fear the opinion of sharing our own opinion, which is like, hey, I created this thing based on an assertion that I'm making about the world. Mm 
And that's the scary part. Yes. So here's where I think we've landed this ship. Whether it is FOPO or FOSS or FOPOMO, <laughs> the only way to make change is to ship your work. And that is the long and the short of it. <laughs> <laughs>